0: In a while, I've been excited. I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, we're down to two in the praise team today. I've offered to uh, my services to the praise team a few times, and they've yet to accept my offer. That's okay. Uh, let's see here. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. I'm going to move this down just a tad bit. All right. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm just going to read verses 1 through, one through 9. It says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. All right, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 this morning, about parenting, uh, particularly a charge to the fathers, who the scriptures lay out clearly is the head of the household, but this is also applicable to mothers. This is about uh, mothers and fathers are both yoked together, we're equally a team, And raising up these children. Uh, But I'm going to have two parts of this sermon. The first part is going to be a vision, um, a magnificent vision of God's will for the earth, God's will for families, a multi-generational vision. So we're going to start with the vision that God has for families, and then we're going to get to the second half. We're going to move into more practical things about how this looks, uh, particularly bringing them up in the admonition of the Lord, bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord, discipling our children, and then also not provoking them to anger, what that, what that looks like. And uh, P.J. O'Rourke uh, wrote this quote that some of you have probably heard. And uh, it says, Everyone wants to save the world, but nobody wants to help with the dishes. Everybody wants to save the world, but nobody wants to help with the dishes. And I was talking to Jared this past week, and Andy and, and, and Jared had preached this past week about ambition. You know, we're tempted to put all of our ambition on our jobs, on our schoolwork, on things out there. And then we, whatever's left over, uh, kind of we pour that whatever's left over ambition into our, into our homes. And that shouldn't be. Should it not be the opposite? Have we not turned that on its head? And Jared's exactly right. I think God created the family first. Then he gave them their calling and told them what to do out in the field. But our ambition, our primary ambition, should be our homes, not our jobs. Not to say we should neglect our jobs, but our primary ambition should be our homes, um, not advancement at work, not popularity, and be careful not missions, not the mission, of, not out there missions to the ends of the earth. Um, you see, we go to the world, we go to pop culture, we hear very little about God's design for the family. We go to the movies, for example, and very few of them portray a healthy marriage as a beautiful thing. Am I right? How many movies have you been to recently where a healthy family unit, a man serving his wife, a woman submitting to her husband's leadership, how often is that portrayed in movies these days? When's the last, what's the last movie you saw that portrayed that as a beautiful and good thing? Is it not most of them? It's a, it's a broken home. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's pessimistic. It's, everybody's kind of got a, a scowl. Everybody's got a baggage they're carrying around. And that's what the, the most of it is. You've got men acting like women. You've got women acting like men. And everything's been turned on its head. And there's always a greater cause or a greater battle than the family or the home. That's how it is in all media, most all songs. Then we go to the church, and we, if not careful, we can do the same thing. We can believe, can come to believe that missions out there is supreme, takes supremacy over missions in here, in the home. And so what ends up happening is, missions work takes precedence over the mission of discipling your children. And that should not be the case at all. William Carey, who I respect and admire a lot, he's known by many as as the founder of modern day missions. And he was used a great deal in India and I love a lot of what he has done. I love a lot of what he has taught, what he has said. But many people don't realize that his wife was driven nearly insane in the work. And I'll leave that up to you as to whether or not William was right in doing that. Um, because that's up for debate. But guys, here's what's clearly the, the teaching in the Bible is the home takes precedence over missions out there. The home takes precedence over your job. Your home takes precedence over everything. Your your home should be your primary ambition. So contrast this with Jonathan Edwards, committed to spend at least one hour a day with his children, every day, with his family every day, whether he was traveling, whatever. He was going to somehow spend and devote one hour of his day toward caring for his children. And as he was on his deathbed, his children were brought next to his bed, and he said this to them, says, as to my children, you are now to be left fatherless, which I, hope you'll, which I hope will be an inducement to you to seek a father who will never fail you. So, so notice the primacy of, of his mission in the home. He, he viewed his fatherhood of his children as a huge deal. He died at age 54 of smallpox. But Benjamin Warfield, Princeton professor, B.B. Warfield, uh, wrote this, he, he, and actually did some research on Jonathan Edwards and his descendants uh, after he passed away. Uh, he chartered, there are 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards, Okay, up until that point when he did this research. And what he found was an incredible testament to Jonathan Edwards. Listen to this. Of Jonathan Edwards' known descendants, there were 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 army and navy officers, 100 pastors, 60 authors of prominence, 3 United States senators, 80 public servants and other capacities, including governors and ministers to foreign countries, and one vice president of the United States. Is that not an exciting vision? Is that not an exciting multi-generational vision? What we do here today echoes throughout multiple generations. Is that not a, a, a vision or a mission that we should all be excited about? A multi-generational vision. And I, I just want, and your pastors, we just want to propose to you today that this should be the vision of your household. That your, the vision of your household should go well beyond your vision for yourself and your job and your vocation and so on and so forth. The vision that we all, that every family in Christchurch should have for our households is a multi-generational vision where we're not just thinking about our children, but we're thinking about our children's children and their children's children and the future generations of, our, of your household and family. And who has been given the primary responsibility for this task? Fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Fathers. Not... Pastors of Christ Church, not the church, definitely not the state, definitely not the government, definitely not your boss at work. Who has been given this task? Who has been given this vision? Who has been given this responsibility? Fathers, heads of households. And that's the vision. This is not just a vision, guys. This is your purpose for existence. Think about that. Your purpose as a human being, if God has saw fit to provide you with children, a wife and children under your care, guess what? This is your purpose in life. It is the will of God for you to raise your children up, to bring them up, and to disciple them. Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Not a hindrance, a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward, not a burden. Guys, what have we been taught all of our lives? You have one point five children, get three four-wheelers, get a couple cars, have a nice job, you got enough money set aside now where you can you can put them both to college or whatever, and they, they get the what so on and so forth. What does the Bible teach? 1.5 children? And guys, I realize I realize there's providential providential hindrances. I realize sometimes God only provides one or two. I get all that, but that should go without saying here. The, guys, the biblical norm is if God has given you a fruitful womb, be fruitful and multiply. The womb is a reward, not a, not a burden. Children are a heritage, not a hindrance. Is God not able to provide? You think, well, if I, if I have seven children, I worry about whether or not I'll be able to provide for them all properly. Does God not own every penny in the universe? Can God not open up his hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them! Exclamation point. It's a blessing to have a full quiver of children. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Guys, one of the things I'm most excited about is how many munchkins we've got running around here. I, I, I love... I love hearing them back there playing and, and getting their lessons. I love it when we're picking up everything. they're riding on the couches and they're just they're everywhere. I love it. I love stepping over them, almost falling down myself. I, I love all that. You guys know you know what I pray for? I pray for more. I, I just want to pray that we have to knock down walls. We have to have a bigger building just to accommodate our children. That's what I pray for. May it be so. may, may it be that man, we've got so many kids we our house, we're going to knock down walls. We've got to, to start stacking up uh, beds and rooms. We've got to start sharing bedrooms. I, I, just, I just pray that our families, we'd just be fruitful and multiply, and we'd take that seriously. I pray that our families would subdue the earth. And guys, I'm not just praying for our children that are here today. I'm praying for our children's children and their children's children and future generations. What a vision that God has given us. We need more kids, not less. Look at Psalm 78 with me very quickly. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. I'm going to go 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. So pay attention to this. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Exclamation point. I will open my mouth in a parable, I will utter dark sayings of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have what? Taught us. Who's who is doing all this teaching? How are they hearing? How do we know about God today? Where did it come from? Where it came from is past generations, faithful generations who have passed the faith down to us. It only takes one generation to lose it. Verse 4. We will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach their children. There it is again. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So guys, when, when your pastors lay a vision like this out before you, are we just pulling that out of a hat like a rabbit? Or are we, are we pulling this out of the Word of God? The, word, the vision that God gives your family and your household is the vision of multi-generational discipleship a vision of passing the faith, remembering the great and awesome wonders of God, passing those things down to your children and teaching them to do the same thing to their children in the future. That is not a vision, guys. That is the vision for the home. That is not an option. If you are a born-again believer and God has provided you with a family, you are to partake in this purpose for your life. This is God's will for you. No plan B. The Puritans, they board the Mayflower. What was their vision for this land that we now call the United States of America? Their vision was multi-generational ministry. Their vision was, we're going to train up our children in the way that they should go. We're going we're to bring them up. And it's not going to be our children that are going to found America, the United States of America. It's going to be their children's children that are going to found the United States of America. And by God's grace many of our founders were descendants of those puritans who came over on that mayflower with that vision. You see they viewed themselves the children that they brought with them on that mayflower as seeds to be planted in this field and those seeds were to multiply and subdue the America. So dads it does not start with the church. It starts with you. And what is the purpose of Christ church then as Jared so brilliant, pur- not, beautifully laid out, I can't speak, <laughs> laid out, it was brilliant as well. We are to equip, we are a family equipping church. We are to equip you for this task. So fathers, you need to start viewing yourself as like pastors for your homes. That's what you need to start viewing yourself as. And you need to work with your wife together and disciple these children and bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So it doesn't start with the church, does not start with the government, it starts with us. In our text today, fathers bring them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Fathers bring them up. So that's, that's to me, that's to all of us. Now this is where it's easy to start making excuses, isn't it? This is where the temptation is, well man, you don't know what I do all day. Well, I, I kind of do. I come home from work, it's 5 o'clock. And guess what do you want to do? I know what, I'll speak for myself, okay? I know what I want to do. It's couch time. I want to go find a couch. I want to decompress for at least 30 minutes of the day. But here's what happens you lay down for 30 minutes, you, you you kind of get a shield up. Kids, not now, this is my time. I need 30 minutes to decompress. Well, what happens after 30 minutes is well, man, you know what? An hour to decompress sounds pretty nice. <laughs> You know, then, and then after an hour, guess what? It's dinner time. I'm kind of hungry now. Now we are going to go to dinner time. And then after you get through dinner time, what, is it, what does it get? Then it's time for your show or whatever. Wheel of Fortune's on or whatever. Then you go on to the next thing. And what ends up happening is the whole day goes through and you've not spent any time at all with your children and you spent your whole night on yourself. It's true. Maybe it doesn't happen in your house. It happens with me. Okay? And here's another excuse. Well, I just don't know enough about the Bible. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't have a degree in this stuff. I don't have a black belt in this stuff. I don't really know what I'm doing. Or I'm so sinful. I can't, how can God possibly use me? I don't know enough. I'm wretched. Uh, they see all my kids see me. They just see a hypocrite when I start teaching. Because I, here I am. I get, I'm short with them. I'm short-tempered. I'm impatient. So how in the world can I teach them about patience? And how can I teach them about grace when I myself am so ungracious and so impatient? the The list keeps going and going and going. Well, guys, I I'll tell you just by way of an illustration, I joined a gym a few months ago, trying to get myself in shape, and I'm still skinny and I've still got a long way to go. But I picked the biggest, strongest guy in the gym to work out with. He's about broken me in half and. And it's a miracle I'm still kind of still going. But I remember I, that first couple of weeks, I'm walking around with my elbows like this. I was so sore, I was sick at my stomach. I've never been so sore in my life. But guys, guess what? I'm still skinny. I've I'm not, I'm not gained much of anything. But guess what? I'm not as sore now. You know what that means? There's progress being made. And you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep going. And guys, I'm going to get in better shape. I'm getting in better shape than I was. I'm nowhere near this guy's level that I'm working out with. I'm nowhere near it. But guys, I'm in the gym. I'm in there. I'm in the game. Guys, God doesn't call you to be, have a black belt in theology or whatever to be, to be the pastor of your house or to be the leader of your household. Fathers, what we're called to do is just, we've got to get in the gym. Just get in the game. And we're going to have some ideas Uh, When toward the end of this sermon as to where they're going. But the bottom line is, get up off the couch and do something. It's okay to have that 30 minutes. It's okay to come home from work, decompress, clear your mind a little bit. It's okay to do that. Just don't stay there. Don't stay on the couch. Get up off of there. Put your ambition on your home first. Um, And then it's also, you know, you kind of got the kids and you think about, I know how it is in my house. Well, Daddy, you gotta, it's time to play bear. Daddy, it's time to, to do this. It's time my basketball goal. Yesterday was a basketball goal, Silas. You remember? got to get the basketball goal raised back up. The windstorm blew it down, and got to get the basketball goal back up. Well, the Bible talks about the persistent widow. You got the parable of persistent widow. You've also got persistent children, and they just keep going. It's just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Well, guys, get it done. Hey, let's play catch. Daddy, let's play catch. Guess what? We played catch. And you know what happened after I got out there and started playing catch? Energy started coming. You know, I didn't want to be on the couch anymore. And then you see, you see your son smile at you. And you see how happy he is running around through the yard. Guys, that's invigorating stuff. Just get, just get in the gym and get out there and get it going for him. Don't neglect the day of small things. Today is our day. See, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, If anyone does not provide for his relatives... And especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity and keeping his children submissive. For if, anyone, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Guys, I realize that's, those are requirements to pastor the church. But guys, those aren't just requirements to pastor the church. That should be the ambition of every man in this room, every father in this room to manage his own household well. Is that not a godly thing to do? Is that not, like Christ, is that not Christ-like to do those things? Absolutely. So guys, how, if you want to ask yourself the question, you think you're going to change the world through your job. Guys, that's not ultimately how you're going to change the world. How are you going to change the world? Who in here just wants to kind of waste their lives? Nobody's raising their hands. Nobody in here wants to waste their lives. How do you not waste your life? How are you going to change the world? What better way can you change the world Then by bringing them up and by discipling your children for future generations. That's how you change the world. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we are to educate our kids. That's how you change the world. And what do I mean by education biblically? Here's what I mean. Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom, knowledge of the Holy One is what? insight. Guys, that weeds out a lot of stuff, doesn't it? It weeds out a lot of stuff. Guys, it, it, whatever, if, if, your, if your education is not looking through the lens of the fear of the Lord, and this is where it comes, I don't care whether it's public school, home school, whatever, if kids are in, in, in public school, teach them to look at 2 plus 2 equals 4 through the lens of the fear of the Lord and knowledge of the Holy One. That's what we're to do. 2 plus 2 equals 4 is not a bad thing leaving out the creator of it is a bad thing. If you leave out the fear of the Lord and knowledge of the Holy One, you're really not educating them. And whose responsibility is that? Is that the state's job? Is that the public school's job? Is that the state university's job? No. Who does the Bible say the responsibility lays on? Fathers. Fathers. So, your, your kid's going to public school. I went to public school. We turned out okay by God's grace. But what is your role as a father as a father? Your kids are going to public school. What are they doing when they come home and they're working on their homework? You teach them to see 2 plus 2 equals 4 as a thing that God God made. How does 2 plus 2 equals 4 reflect the creator of it? What does that look like? See the Lord in everything. Meteor showers like we've had this past week. See the Lord in that. See the beauty in that. Take them out. Look at this beautiful sunset. Who made this sunset? Children, who made it? God did. What does this say about what must God be like if he made a sunset like that? He must be beautiful. He must be amazing. He must be majestic. He must be good to paint such an incredible painting like that that we could do that. So you're, you're taking art class at school, are you? Well, that's great. Look at this sunset. Look at this ocean. Look at this mountain. Look at this flower. How, is God not an artist? How does this art reflect the creator of the universe? Teach your children to be in awe, teach them to be in wonder over everything that God has made and teach them to see God in everything. That's education. Um, Song, music, instruments. How you you see these instruments that are making this happen, how they're all unified. Is God not unified in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Is God not harmonious? How about listening to this song over here that's talking about listening to your heart? Son, is that a good thing to listen to your heart? Daughter, is that a good thing to listen to your heart? Why or why not? Talk about it. Talk about those things. Watch this movie. Son, when this man runs away from the battle instead of into the battle, is that like Jesus? Does Jesus run into the battle or does He flee from the battle? Jesus runs right to the cross. That's what He does. He lays down His life. I have authority to lay my life down. I have authority to take it up again. I lay down my life for my friends. Jesus runs into the battle, son. Don't run from the battle. Run into the battle. Son, what about this this song talking about getting this woman drunk and getting her in the back of a pickup truck? Does that reflect the creator of the universe? Is your mommy like that? Would your mommy ever allow herself to be put in that situation to do that? Daughter, would your mommy ever allow herself to be put in such a situation son is it okay to kill this deer are we gonna kill this deer and not eat it are we just gonna let it sit there just to kill it just to kill it does God give us this deer what for rise Peter kill and what eat college football starting up September 3rd first game for the Wolverines Michigan we excited about football why what makes college football so beautiful Can we not see God in the organization of this team sport, the discipline that goes behind it, the beauty, the athleticism, the incredible athletes that God has made? Daughter, what is it that makes your mommy so beautiful? Why is your mommy so beautiful? What is so attractive? What does your daddy find to be so attractive in your mommy? What is ugliness, daughter? What makes something ugly? What is it that makes a woman strong? What is it that makes a woman weak? What does the world want you to be? Who does God want you to be? We need to be having these conversations all the time. And it's not just, okay, we get got this set classroom experience that we teach them in, though it is, that is part of it. It's, you're, do, you're doing life together as a family, and you're looking and you're praying for God to give you teachable moments, that you have your eyes open and your ears open. Hey, here's a teachable moment right here. Here's a song we're listening to driving home from church today. This isn't entirely true, here's why. This is true, here's why. Why is this truth so beautiful and attractive? We're having these conversations all the time. So all that being said, it's possible, according to this passage, that we, in bringing them up, can provoke them to anger. And Paul gives a specific instruction to not provoke them to anger. Why did he choose anger? Why there's a whole list of things he could have chosen to not lead our children into, like neglect, or temptation, or spoiling them rotten, or so on and so forth. He chooses anger here. Why do you think God or God chose anger to inspire this passage right here? Well, have you ever? Let me ask you this question: Have you ever experienced anger in your life toward an authority figure before? Let me just give you, how about this election cycle? (laughs) Has it ever driven you to, provoke you to anger? Well, uh, notice there's a relationship between authority and anger. And I believe that's why Paul chose anger here instead of other things he could have chosen. Because when you get in and you look at the context of this passage here, you've got wives and husbands. Now you're moving into children and parents. And now parents to children. And then next week he's going to get into bondservants and masters. These are The context of this passage is authority relationships. Okay? And it's very natural and very easy when you get into an authoritative relationship where you're submitting to an authority of any kind to have anger. Resentment's in the same family as anger. They all go hand in hand. So... You've got this provoking, this resentment that comes about if we take the scalpel of God's word. And a scalpel, is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. What about if it's in the hands of a mass murderer? Is it a good thing then? It's in Jeffrey Dahmer's hands. All of a sudden, the scalpel is not a good thing anymore. Or it's a good thing, but it's in the hands of a bad thing. Right? The scalpel is not the problem. So what we can do is we can take the truth and we can teach it to our children in a way that is not attractive, that provokes them, that causes them to be stiff-necked, as the scriptures teach, that can cause them to shrivel, that can cause them to harden, that can cause them to not find God to be beautiful and attractive, but actually ugly. And that's some tough stuff to deal with. And may it never be... Our, our aim should be that our children should find God's word and God himself to be beautiful. So, how do we teach God's word in such a way that does not provoke them to anger, that does not shrivel them, that, do, that leaves them longing and thirsting for God, that wants them to see God as being beautiful and attractive, that leaves them with the joy of the Lord being their strength? And I've got, and that's what we're going to kind of get into here just a little bit here toward the end and there's been books and books written on this and we're not going to get through all of it we're going to be very general here today but um, and you're tempted here to list all the negative things like here's what not to do and you can list a whole lot of things about what not to do is time out okay or not okay is uh is spanking okay not okay we believe that it is But what about just not not bringing them to you and telling them that you love them and explain why you're doing it? You could get into all these different parenting things that are what not to do, a bunch of negatives. I think it's better to focus on what we should be doing rather than what we shouldn't be doing. And I think we need to focus on staring and focusing on one thing rather than focusing on a list of things not to do. Okay? And I think the easiest way... Uh, And the best way that we can disciple our children, generally speaking, is by discipling ourselves. So, discipling our own souls, feeding our own souls. I think that's the primary ambition. If every father in this room, and every mother in this room, if if your primary ambition in your life is to know God, to hunger and thirst after the Lord, to seek first His kingdom, Guess what? Luke 12, 31. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. What do we need then? What, what, does a parent, what do the parents of Christ church need? What do I need? What do I need more than anything? I need to see the Trinity. I need to see God. I need to know God. I need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, if that is going on in my life, what's going to what what is going to be my ambition in the home what is going to be my energy in the home my passion in the home if i'm staring at god who am i going to want to be like who am i going to reflect in the home it's going to be god so let's just stare at god here for just a few minutes just a few more minutes here about the gospel for yourself and how it'll end up affecting how you parent your children okay here's here's one question has god ever done anything to you that would warrant you being provoked toward anger toward Him? Has God ever done anything to you that would provoke anger toward Him? That's worthy, that would merit it? The answer is no, never. God has never provoked you, done something to provoke you to anger toward Him, ever. Here's another question. How does God treat you as His son or daughter? How does God treat you as his son and daughter? Does God love you and enjoy your presence? Or does God simply tolerate you? Does God ever say, oh, gosh, I got to get off the couch now and spend time? I got to go spend time with Russ. I got to do this because I I signed a contract. So I got to go do this now. Is that the type of relationship that God has with you? Does God take delight in giving you gifts? Or does God feel threatened by the gifts that He gives you? Does God want you to enjoy those gifts and savor them and spend time with Him and enjoy them and savor them? Or is He always kind of keeping those gifts at at arm's length, keeping you at arm's length? Can't, Can't enjoy that too much, son. Can't enjoy that too much. Is God glorified when you are happy in Him? Does God invite you to seek as much pleasure as, he, as you possibly can in your life in His presence? Is God your landlord or is God your father? Is God your landlord or is God your father? Is God's goal in discipling you to separate you from Him or to restore you to Him and bring you closer to Him? What is God's aim in His, his discipline in you? Is God, like, is God like the father and the prodigal son, or is God like you? Is God like the father and the prodigal son, or is God like you? So here's the thing. If you are not staring at Christ, and you're not staring at the gospel, and we are not striving to feed ourselves on God's word, how can you possibly know how to imitate him? to your children and reflect him and image him in your household. If you don't know who God is, how can you properly reflect him and image him in your household? If you are not feeding on him and enjoying him, and the joy of the Lord is not your strength, where will your energy come from to disciple your children? Where will the passion come from? Where will the joy be? And if you're not enjoying God, how can your children possibly, how can you possibly expect your children to enjoy God? That's convicting, but it's also an invitation. It's also an incredible opportunity. It's an invitation to come into the presence of God and enjoy Him. And guess what? The joy of the Lord will become your strength. And you'll want to do this stuff. So if you view this like like onions, like the old proverbial layers of the onion, the inner layer is your walk with the Lord. You know the Lord, you enjoy the Lord, and then it moves out to your home and to your children. You spread it out into them, and then you take what you're learning, and then you apply it out in the workforce. You apply it, and you take it out to the world. And that's how it's the inner out. Inner out. It begins with your heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth speaks to your children. Your children catch fire. Then you take what you're learning, you take it out to your workplace, and it just goes on and on. Layer upon layer, wave upon wave. Very general stuff here, but I want I want to leave you with one simple, practical action step. Five minutes. I want you to I want you to I want to I want to, I want to encourage you. I want to highly encourage you to implement family devotions in your home. I want to encourage you. I'm going to, I'm saying five minutes a day. It's five minutes of your day. I, I can't. Somebody might know how many minutes there are in a day. There's a lot of minutes in a day. 24 times 60. I don't know what that is. Where's Rain Man at? We don't have one in here. Ryan, what is it? (laughs) That's a lot of minutes. I want to challenge you to to take uh, five minutes of your day and do family devotions with your children and with your wives. And I'm looking at the men in here. I'm looking at the fathers. I I want you to take five minutes of your day and begin to disciple your family. And it's going to be awkward at first, just like all new things are. okay. But here's, here's the deal. And This is something I've found to be effective in our household with my family. We provide you with the Jesus Storybook Bible in the back. If you don't have a copy of that yet, I encourage you to grab it. If you don't want the Jesus Storybook Bible, take the Psalms. okay. And here's what, we're going to, here's what I want to encourage you to do. If possible, and it's not going to be possible every day, I get that. But when possible, make a concerted effort... To try to have a dinner around a dinner table at night. I don't, it doesn't have to be anything. Put some stuff in a crock pot, go to work, get home from work. You got stuff already cooked for you in the crock pot, throw it on a plate, paper plate, eat, use plastic silver. I don't care what you got to do. Just try to get around the table once a day. Then have your meal together and enjoy your meal together. After your meal is over, what we do is we've got, I've got a little Bible that's accessible and it's near the table. You grab the Bible, you grab the Jesus Storybook Bible, whichever one you prefer. Take the Jesus Storybook Bible, for example, and just start with Genesis. Read the first story. Read it to your children. Show them the pictures. Then discuss it for two minutes. One minute. to One or two minutes. Just discuss it. Then if you're really, getting, you're really feeling crazy, pull out the hymnal. Try to sing. I do it. My children love it. Well, I'm a good singer, aren't I? <laughs> she's not going to lie I've taught her not to lie they've asked me to stop before multiple times it hurts they, they just don't really know yet what, what beauty is and singing yet I know they're going to come up and get it down the road they, don't, they just don't know how to appreciate it yet but, but we, we try to sing a hymn and uh, Silas' favorite one is Come Thou Fount and uh, he developed a, he, he liked that song a lot but we sing a hymn and then we pray and that's, that's it five minutes it doesn't have to be rocket science. You don't have to do a three-point sermon. Just, just say, hey, th- tell them something you got out of that. The Jesus Storybook Bible is awesome. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Tim Keller, he's one of the most, uh, kind of one of the more famous preachers and teachers in the United States today and around the world. Uh, he, he takes the Jesus Storybook Bible, and he, it's required reading for his preaching class. It's an awesome resource. Take the Jesus Storybook Bible, read it, just say, hey, there's something left off the page at me, and just share that with your children. Guys, what do you think about that? Silas loves David and Goliath. And he loves it, he loves it when, when David uh, cuts off his head and holds his head up. He loves that. It's exciting stuff. Just, just, just teach them. And just leave it with that. Let them ask you some questions. Let them ask you some why questions. Pray, call tonight. And then have them help mommy with the dishes, teach them how to do a little bit of, how to do some dish work. And then, of course, I need to remember my own quote from the beginning of this thing. Nobody wants to help mom with the dishes, so I, I, I need to help dads help with the dishes, too. Um, but that's just a simple thing. So basically here in a short amount of time, we've laid out a vision, a grand vision. And it's not just a vision, it is the vision That God gives fathers for their households, so it's not an option for the fathers in this room today. God's will for you is to bring your children up in the fear and instruction of the Lord, and not provoking your children to anger. That is God's will for your life. Okay. Then we looked at how we can do that, and I want to challenge. And we've left you with one a challenge, a five minute challenge. Just take five minutes out of your day, unite around a table. Pull out a Jesus storybook Bible, pull out a psalm, read a psalm, whatever it may be, and discuss it for one or two minutes, pray, and that's it. And just imagine what that would be like if you did that seven days a week, five days a week, over every month, over every year. And my vision is one day your child is 21, 22 years old. My children are going to be one day 21, 22. They're going to be in a dorm room. They're going to be out on a job site. And my prayer is that one day they will look back on these memories and they will, they will be fond memories, they will be warm memories, secure memories of when they used to unite around the table with their mommy and their daddy and they used to get in God's word together and they used to sing. I pray that for every child in this, in this church. That they will be able to look back on the times they spent around that dinner table with their mommy and their daddy and they'll remember their daddy picking up the word of God and being a warrior for them in their household. I pray that will be true for your family. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the the vision that you have given us for our families. God, we are humbled, we are challenged, and God, we are convicted this morning. Father, I am convicted at my lack of consistency in my own household as I even preach this. God, I I just pray, God, that this would catch fire in my heart and in every heart in here, God, that we... Be uh, Our ambition, as Jared has taught, would be poured out on our homes, on our children, on our wives. God, we need your help. God, you are a gravity. Apart from you, we would, just, we would just be hurled out into space. We'd be lost. But God, we, I thank you for your word, God, that it's, it's acting like gravity for us this morning. It's drawing us back in to what you would want us to do. God, we've come out of a, of a, a work week, out of a, a school week. Many have started school again this past week. God, and here we are, God. Be our center. Center us around your word. God, I pray, God, that we would all just, that we would uh, consider, seriously consider, a five-minute challenge, God, to where we can just step up in our houses and disciple our children. God, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? God, help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.